Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Check it out. If you're a real estate broker, an agent, uh, it's incredible training. There's 21 one-hour videos. It's all in the cloud. Guaranteed you'll like it. Check it out at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Well, today we're going to talk about one of the sectors that a lot of people are very interested in, and that is self-storage. Uh, it's become a very popular with institutional investors over the last several years and investors of all types. And you've seen them in your, in your neighborhoods from the little ones with the armed doors to the big, beautiful uh, self-storage properties that uh, you might not even realize they're self-storage. They're uh, so nice looking in the in-town in markets. But what's been going on through COVID uh, and after COVID, I hope that's where we are now. Here we are uh, in mid-2022, right? Uh, so please welcome my guest. It's Tom LaSilvia. He's Senior Economist with Moody's Analytics. Tom, good to see you, sir. Michael, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, Tom, I, I mentioned in the opening there that uh, institutional investors have really taken a liking to self-storage over the last uh, several years. Uh, you know, before we get into how self-storage is going, um, what is the attraction to all these developers and, and, and small, from small investors to institutional with this sector? Well, there's been just a tremendous amount of positive momentum within the sector over the last few years, right? If we go back prior to the pandemic, uh, there was a, really an overbuilding at that point. Lots of new construction, uh, rents were sluggish, uh, vacancy rates were up a bit. And then, you know, we, we hit the pandemic era. And as we always kind of joke about, it's, it's self-storage kind of loves chaos. It loves dis, um, disruption in a lot of ways. And so some of those uh, disruptions are likely to last long term. And I think institutional investors seeing that prior to the pandemic, cap rates were a bit high. Um, they were able to find some opportunities and um, <clears throat> with enough capital and enough cash, uh, they can actually build up a lot of market share. And I think that makes this uh, attractive, unlike some of the uh, more saturated sectors out there. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the volatility or, or lack of it, uh, if that's the case, in self-storage. So if you look at performance in that sector from kind of pre-COVID, COVID to now, what do you see? We see really strong performance uh, from the space market perspective. Uh, just in the last year alone, the vacancy rate has dropped over 200 basis points. Uh, we have it sitting around 12%. Others have it right in that, that um, range there. Um, from the rent growth perspective, only multifamily has seen faster rent growth over the last couple of years. Right now, we're running at a uh, year-over-year rate of 7 to 8%. Wow. And um, we do expect that to soften maybe a bit, but it's still going to be strong going forward. We think the fundamentals are there for uh, this to be um, a sector that 
maybe doesn't go through the, uh, say, the roller coaster ride that it has in the past. And you, you mentioned um, kind of the disruption or changes in the market and that self-stores can sometimes benefit from that. Uh, what are you going to see in lately and, and, and currently uh, related to uh, demand on, on self-storage? Where is, where is it coming from? What's new? Yeah, that's a great question, right? So, you know, early in the pandemic, it was, um, you know, young folks moving back in with their parents, finding storage, you know, college wasn't in session. So all of that, that's, that's declined, right? That, that demand has softened a little bit, uh, but we're still seeing, you know, um, second home purchases. We're still seeing a lot of business formations. And then, you know, employment changes are a big one, which is part of uh, the migration issue. You know, quits are still at an all time high. The labor market's still strong, even with all of this talk of, of a slowdown or a mild recession, you know, their labor market is prompting people to, to make moves and uh, some of those are lifestyle. Some of those are definitely to get higher wages in different areas or affordability moves. And when we have those movements, that's what gives a lot of uh, demand side pressures for this sector. Now, one other thing that I'm finding really fascinating right now is we're seeing a bit of demand side pressure um, in, in what we might call micro-fulfillment um, you know, self-storage, which is really taking what we know about warehouse and distribution at the larger scale and kind of bringing it down to smaller scale. Um, if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, with the price appreciation, the rent rate appreciation, uh, the snapping up of warehouse and distribution space by really large players in the industry, uh, some of the smaller guys have been left out. And what they've done, um, whether it's e-commerce or bricks and mortar, uh, for inventory, for distribution, they've moved on and they're starting to actually rent some of that self-storage space. And you know, many of these companies, especially if they're startups, uh, they want to be nimble. And I think the uh, lease terms within self-storage um, make this uh, a smart play for them. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I know a lot of our developer clients and, and builders are uh, because of uh, supply chain issues are really uh, hoarding <laughs> supplies and appliances and windows and just all sorts of things so that they actually can finish their projects on time. So that's uh, actually having an impact on the performance of self-storage. Yeah, for sure. And, and actually you bring that up, it's having an impact in other ways too. Uh, we have seen, even with all this great momentum, we've seen some of the uh, smallest um, completion rates in many, many years. Actually, I think it was last year we finished with about 175,000 units. Um, this was our lowest figure in eight years, right? Which is fascinating. If you're seeing all this momentum, especially in a sector where you can construct these uh, relatively quickly um, compared to other sectors, you would expect there to be this run-up of new supply, but the supply chain issues are hitting self-storage as they are other sectors. And, you know, 
our pipeline is incredibly robust when it comes to what's planned and proposed in terms of self-storage. But just when it when it gets to the completions, they just haven't been able to, to get there. And I think that on the, the supply side of the equation is also helping to, uh, to boost those rent gains and to keep the occupancies uh, very high in the, in the sector. So you say there's a good bit of projects kind of planned and in the works, you said you've had really good rent growth at seven to 8%, which is uh, incredible. Uh, what's your forecast moving forward for self-storage performance? Yeah, again, you know, all of this great momentum throughout the pandemic due to a lot of disruption, um, as I mentioned before, some of those tailwinds are going to soften a bit. Um, we're in a higher interest rate environment. We see mortgage rates above 5%. Uh, there's likely to be less home purchases, maybe a little bit less migration and movement, especially if the labor market softens a little bit. And, you know, Unless we were in to go into a major recession, which I, I put a very small probability on, and what I mean by that is if we were to get to a point where there's evictions and foreclosures and a lot of melee in the labor market, which actually could help self-storage in some ways, I don't think we're going to get there. And so with less home purchases, maybe less employment moves, a bit of softening, but not enough to, to really give us a lot of concern for the sector. We actually still anticipate um, occupancy rates to rise a bit, and we anticipate rent growth um, to, to soften, but be still at or above its longer-term averages, somewhere in the 3 to 4% uh, annualized rates uh, going forward. Yeah, well, that's good news. And we're talking with Tom Silvia. Senior economist with Moody's Analytics about self-storage. And Tom, what are you seeing for uh, cap rates uh, in the sector? Yeah, it's been pretty incredible. Uh, cap rates, again, prior to the pandemic would hit seven, eight, nine percent in certain markets, maybe even a little higher. And uh, more recently, uh, from the transactions we've seen, we're seeing cap rates in the mid fives, even some of them approach five or below five, which is pretty incredible for this sector, uh, something we've really not uh, seen. But, you know, there's again, going back to what you had mentioned earlier, institutional investors are out there, right? And there's a lot of capital out there and they're willing to come in with cash. They're willing to come in and sometimes maybe um, overpay slightly to expand their market reach and to, to really build up um, a larger market share within, within the sector. I mean, we're seeing it from the REITs. We're seeing it from... Um, REITs like public storage, right? They've gone through a lot of acquisitions of other portfolios and they're building up. And I think that pressure on the market has really lowered cap rates. Yeah, it's an interesting sector when it comes to, <clears throat> excuse me, um, barrier to entry. So it seems like, you know, in some of the more um, rural areas, there's really not much barrier to entry, but you look at some of the urban markets and it's really tough to, to build these projects, isn't it? Sure, you, you have NIMBYism for one, right? I mean, these projects aren't always the most attractive, although um, I think they've come a long way in terms of, of what they look like. But NIMBYism is always going to be an issue uh, as it relates to anything industrial related. Um, and so, you know, that's going to be a headwind. But then on top of that, 
you just have a lack of land or land that is earmarked for a lot of other purposes or you're in competition against a lot of other sectors, right? Uh, multifamily, for sure. Uh, other industrial uses, uh, for sure, right now. And, and while office and, and retail may be, you know, steady, but down a little bit and not seeing a lot of construction there, you know, if, if you're up against a big multifamily or lifestyle center project, um, that's, you know, that land is, is likely it's, it's best use in, for that, right? And they're going to easily be outbid um, in that regard. Yeah. And we've also seen zoning um, municipalities sometimes aren't really fond of the self-storage. Like it's not enough jobs or sales tax for them, right? Yeah, I think that's part of it, you know, and, you know, they might claim the, um, the again, the look of it. They might claim the infrastructure associated with people coming in and out with big trucks, stuff like that. And, and all of that goes into it from a zoning perspective. But we are seeing a lot of um, changes to zoning laws in, in the recent past. Or I think there's a push anyway to, to really go back and look at our zoning laws. And so that may be a positive uh, for the sector as we move forward, where uh, the, the bigger players, the powers that be within self-storage can hopefully work with um, the local governments to maybe um, illustrate the value of the sector and, and maybe get some of those zoning laws changed. And Tom, where might there be some opportunities in the self-storage, either investment or development world? Are there some markets that uh, show a lot of promise or uh, is it uh, more uh, infill? Uh, where might be some opportunities? Yeah, you know, it's, it's easy for us to just say, oh, the Sun Belt's great. And, and it is in a lot of ways. We're still seeing migration there. And with that migration, with that uh, just vast population gains, um, there's still some opportunities out there that doesn't seem to have been saturated uh, yet in those areas. But, but interestingly, uh, when you look at some of our metro data over the last year or so, some of the largest gains to occupancy have been in places in the Midwest, right? Which is against what, what we would uh, think in some ways if, if we're seeing greater populations um, towards the Sun Belt. Uh, but, you know, th that really shows to us that this sector, the, the performance gains are kind of ubiquitous, right? That wherever you are, as long as there's some movements, disruptions, um, you know, we talk about divorce and death and dislocation and disaster, right? As those four Ds or so within the sector. And those are going to really happen everywhere. So if a lot of the supply activity uh, or growth has happened in some of the, the hotter markets around the country, then there may be opportunities in some of the markets where the bigger players haven't really thought through yet, right? And, and we're, maybe that's what we're seeing uh, with these, these occupancy gains in, in some of these Midwest cities. Yeah. Tom, what would you leave our audience with to think about moving forward for uh, self-storage? Optimism. I still think that fundamentally, this sector has mid to long term 
strong growth potential. While I mentioned some of the headwinds coming up in the short term or some of the softening anyway from the easing of pandemic-related issues, uh, long-term, the way that demographics are looking, uh, the potential for downsizing still from boomers, uh, more moves from millennials, uh, Gen Z is just starting to form households. Uh, So all of this movement, all of this flux uh, within uh, the demographic side of things, I think makes, oh, well, I add to that the, the micro-fulfillment, e-commerce's growth, and what that can add to the sector. I think all of that together still breeds optimism. And, and that's why you're seeing all of this institutional money come in uh, to the sector. And I don't expect that to stop. While property values have maybe elevated to the point where the growth rates of those values are going to soften and with interest rates rising, you know, cap rates are likely to go up a little, but I still see probably a, uh, a spread compression there as, as again, there's a mid to long-term momentum. The fundamentals are there and I don't think they're going away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. You know, I think that explains why I, I average about a call a day to our firm of buyers looking for self-storage. And it's like, it's, it's almost seems like it's hard to find the, the, the folks who will sell them. Wow. Yeah, incredible. It is really incredible so- sector. Always fun to study. Yeah. And I'm always happy to talk to you about it, Michael. All right, Tom. Thanks for joining us, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you much. All right. And thank you for joining us around the country. Hey, I want to ask you a favor. Can you rate our show on Apple Podcasts or YouTube or, or wherever you're getting the show? We'd appreciate it. And it'll help share it with other folks who uh, you can pay it forward like we do. Right. All right. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing site selection and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access One, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.